Let's watch Disney podcasts. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the Dudes Watch Disney podcast, episode two, Pinocchio. Uh, we are the dudes that watch Disney. My name is Jake. And I'm Dustin. And uh, we're here to talk about another Disney animated classic. Or is it really a classic? We will... That's the topic of the day. Pinocchio, second film released after uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, three years after the fact. Another one, not adapted from a fairy tale, but an actual full-length book from somewhere. I probably should have written that down. Italy, I believe. It'll, that would make sense with all the names. Uh Interesting note, uh, we talk a lot about our Rotten Tomatoes, like the actual Rotten Tomatoes uh, ratings for these films. Normally we talk about it at the end, so maybe I should have waited, but this one has a hundred percent, and it is oddly the only Disney animated film to have that accolade in the entire list, in the entire canon, which is not something I would have guessed. <laughs> like, Yeah, I could not tell you why it has that rating after watching it. Yeah, um... Any childhood memories of Pinocchio? Uh, yeah, I remember watching it a little bit when I was able to watch it. It was not a movie that we could watch that often because you were scared of the whale, <laughs> and therefore that meant I wasn't allowed to watch it either because yeah. you couldn't handle it. Look, in my defense, the whale's pretty damn scary. Like, I will admit, even watching it with grown-up eyes. Like, <laughs> you don't go in the water. Like, Look, I... The ocean was not a thing I was ever really cool with growing up. Uh, not so much like fear of drowning or anything like that. Just big open spaces when you don't know what's around you, underneath you. That lasted like when Finding Nemo came out. I had some issues watching that movie the first time. Like, because they get eaten by a whale too. Uh, I don't know if we pointed out in earlier episodes, we, we live in Arkansas. We're nowhere near uh, the ocean. It's uh, a landlocked it is totally, situation. It's uh, irrational fear of whales and apparently sea life in general. Uh, I have been to the beach and in the ocean. That part doesn't scare me. But, like, the open ocean. Like, in Finding Nemo, when Nemo, like, swims off that little, like, a dune. <laughs> I don't know. It, when he's over the open ocean and he's going to go touch the butt. Like, that's that was, that was really creepy first time I watched it. Mm. Whatever. Mm. Did any Disney movies scare you as a kid? Not that I remember. No. Um, I'm sorry. Someone's, someone's a badass over here. But yeah, Pinocchio was not a favorite of mine as a kid, probably for that reason. Um, so yeah, I, we owned it, I believe, but I can't remember ever like cracking it open as a kid being like, I want to watch Pinocchio. We had a tape of sing-along songs from the just a collection of songs from the Disney films that uh, I think Pinocchio got three or four friggin' songs on the tape. Like it was, I know those, the Actors No Strings on Me yeah, and Actors Life for Me as well. Uh, probably Wish Upon a Star, I don't know. So that's basically what I remember is like those songs and There's a Whale That's Scary. And then, then didn't watch it again until we watched it once when... And, you know, I was like 19 from the last time I went through this, and then now I watched it twice in the past two days, thanks to you. But <laughs> I know when we watched it in 2009, which would have been the first time we watched it since we were little, uh, this, it, this was the one I was the most disappointed with because I remembered enjoying it uh, as a really? kid and then watching it, and then it's just like, Ugh. how the hell did I like this? Like, yeah, which when I watched it yesterday, didn't, didn't hate it as much as I did okay. in 2009. Still not wonderful. Yeah, this was kind of rough for me. I watched this, like, first thing in the morning yesterday and was like, uh, so I didn't have to be at work till noon, so I was like, oh, we have plenty of time to watch this movie. And then the whole time I was just like, uh, we are still marching on through this thing. There is an hour left. Oh, my God. So not looking great going into this one. Uh, uh, there was another thing I wanted to ask you about. Because uh, Pinocchio is a story that's been done a few different times, Disney probably the most well-known version, but there was a, I think, ABC TV movie like 20 years ago with Drew Carey in it. Do you remember that one? I, I remember that I watched it, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I remember that more than 
the Disney one. It's from so. a weird time frame where we decided Drew Carey needed two primetime network shows and he had, you know, the right. Drew Carey show plus Who's Line. Yeah. We weren't big fans of the Drew Carey show at the, at the time. So. True, although I don't think we were, I mean, we were mostly into it once it hit syndication, I think, more True. than when it was airing. I don't know if that show would hold up at this point, but yeah, I don't know. when I was like 11, it was awesome. But yeah, that was Geppetto, I believe was the name of that. Yeah. And I think Wayne Brady was in it as well. He had a small but, role, yeah. But yeah, so going into it, not not looking so great, but I, I guess we'll uh, start the film here. When You Wish Upon a Star. That is an incredibly boring song, in my opinion. Oh, that's not what I was going to say, <clears throat> but what I was going to say was it does seem like this type of song, and since it has sort of become like their quintessential like mm-hmm. Disney song, you would think it would be like a big show-stopping number maybe in the middle yeah, of the Yeah, it's not. It's just like, opening credits and ending credits. Yeah, right? and like you wouldn't even necessarily notice it was being, you know, it's a time in the movie where you kind of zone out, right, during the opening credits. Like right. there's music playing, whatever. You would assume, given the way that it's used in uh, all in the intros to all of the other Disney yeah, movies. it's become like the signature song. And right, so you would think that it would be like a big moment in this movie, and it's just the intro. Right. Uh, also... Like, it, just my opinion, a very, like, easy song to fall asleep to. Like, to me, it sounded like it belonged in, like, a really shitty Christmas movie where it's, like, just, you can find your dreams one day. Like, it's just, the lyrics are not exactly groundbreaking. Somehow that became the iconic Disney song for the entire animated canon and even, you know, their live-action stuff as well. But uh, In this movie, we replaced the... Uh, the text-based uh, intro that we had was with Snow White, where we just had the the paragraphs that you had to read uh, mm-hmm. to get the background information. I've already got a narrator now. Yeah, we replaced that us. with Jiminy Cricket talking directly to the audience, mm-hmm. which I enjoy narrators. I like them in novels. I enjoy them uh, in 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 movies. I like when uh, the audience is spoken to directly. Uh, so I enjoyed this beginning. But you can see as as we watch this movie, we'll notice some things that they tried to improve upon, I think, from uh, from Snow White, things they learned they wanted to do better, and then some things that they seem to just keep because it worked in Snow White, which I made a small list of yesterday of, like, oh. stuff that just seems to be thrown in there because eh, it worked in Snow White. Like, oh, what you got? Uh, well, there's an idiotic simpleton. Uh, we kept that. We replaced yeah, Dopey with the... Uh, the little cat guy. Yeah, the cat guy's name is uh, Gideon, I think. Mm. Uh, there's whistling. Yeah, Songs again, about whistling. whistling and give a little whistle... Yeah. As a uh, child and adult that doesn't know how to whistle, like, these still don't improve my opinions on Disney songs. Uh, this is a minor thing. There's wood carvings everywhere uh, in the in the dwarf's house. You know, their beds are yeah. all carved out of wood and all okay. that. And, then, and, and like that organ. Yeah. Uh, and Fair then uh, an apple. Geppetto randomly has an apple in his pocket. And then, like, yeah. it's featured prominently when they when he first meets Honest John, when Pinocchio first meets Honest John. And they trade it back and forth. And... John eats his apple or whatever. So th- those kinds of things, just like random... A few tropes that were still around. Just holdovers, yeah. Yes, as we're going through uh, the opening story, did you notice uh, it starts on, uh, you know, a classic Disney shot of here's the book we're going to read today. Did you notice the books in the background when that was happening? Not as I was watching, but I read later on, on IMDb. It's uh, Peter Pan and... I was wondering yeah, as well. I was wondering if maybe they knew, like... You know, we're already in talks of, hey, maybe we'll... Because those are obviously films I think, or stories they tackle later on. I think according to IMDb, they had sort of started production on those, even though those movies wouldn't come out for another 10, 15 years. Yeah. Jiminy Cricket uh, introducing us to the story. He talks about how he's hopping up on the uh, hearth. Vagrant Jiminy Cricket uh, invites himself <laughs> in mm-hmm. to Geppetto's workshop and warms yeah. himself by he's the fire. serious hobo clothes. And he gets dangerously close to that fire. <laughs> like, he does. Uh, this gives us a chance to mention something that happens three times in this first scene, and that is focus on butts. Uh, like, yeah. there's some weird, like, degenerate thing going on. Well, uh, Cricket is kind of a horn dog around right. these. He, he uh, is, yeah. Geppetto's, but, like, toys. I mean, so he, as he's warming himself, he warms his butt. He, like, he pulls his pants down, right? And, like, one thing, I know there's, like, naked cricket ass. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. He, like, I thought it was the just the general trope of here's an animated creature that's not wearing pants. Like, oh, well, maybe. But either way. I don't think he just peels them back. I thought he did. Maybe. Maybe. I, I'd have to watch so it. So there's again. that. Then, uh, 
later when some of the clocks start making noise, he as he like looks down on Geppetto and the and the the two pets, yeah. he like randomly rests his hand on. Yeah, leans one. against a figurine and it's like a woman's ass. Uh-huh. And then you know, excuse me, ma'am, or whatever. Right. Then uh, later on in the scene, one of the cuckoo clocks is a little kid getting his bare ass spanked by. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's all in the first scene. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. That's kind of strange. In a movie that involves taking little boys to Pleasure Island, like there's right. a weird <laughs> we haven't thing made it that far yet going on in this movie. Yes, we see uh, a little bit about Jiminy Cricket's environment here. He's in a, I guess, a toy shop. Uh, some kind of there's lots of cuckoo clocks and figurines that have been carved. That's sort of Geppetto's line of work. And there's also a a lifeless puppet sitting on the wall, which is going to be our main character. He kind of creeps me out when he's lifeless, honestly. Just when he turns into a real boy, he looks normal. But when he's just a puppet with no mouth, like it was kind of. I'm going to bet that this is not the first uh, life-size doll that Geppetto's made himself. <laughs> uh, just just an odd man. Well, some like, of those figurines looked like lovingly crafted. Right, yeah. And, and you know, he has these conversations with his, with his fish and his cat. Right. He, yeah, like, those are his only companions. He makes the fish and the cat kiss each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wrote down, hard to believe Geppetto isn't married. Like, <laughs> I just wrote, I don't want to know what Geppetto gets up to with all these figurines. Right, yeah, he talks to his cats, his, or his cat, his fish, his puppets, music boxes, like... Mm-hmm. That's who he has. And then he starts with. like drunkenly dancing with the marionette right. and also abusing his cat with it. Like, yeah. He just uses it to slap the shit out of uh, Figaro. Now, it is uh, not a fan of cats. There, I said it. Sorry, I know that ruined the internet for <laughs> us now. Now, no one will listen to our podcast. Uh, but this is the most obedient cat that I have ever he seen. He puts up like, with a lot of stuff. Where, like, he, after they go, this is later, but when they go to bed and he makes the cat get up and, like, open the window <laughs> for him and yeah. stuff, and it's like, what the hell kind of cat? I did think Figaro was really adorable, even as a kid, and still these days. Figaro was Walt Disney's favorite uh, character that he created. He wanted to try to incorporate Figaro in other, like, in the Mickey Mouse cartoons and yeah. other things he thought. Figaro was the shit. Um, I should start reading these IMDb trivia pages so I can have some tidbits like this. But then we'd have the same tidbits. It wouldn't be. Oh, true. Hey, did you read that? Yeah, I saw that too. So, yeah, we basically, we, we've seen a little bit of Geppetto's life here, and now he's like, oh, I love this marionette that I've created, but it's time to go to bed. So they all go to bed. Yeah, not just time to go to bed. This old man sets an alarm to remind him to go to bed at 9 o'clock. That's true, like, yeah. Like, for one of those nights where he just, just makes puppets too late in, too late into the night, I guess. Right. Like, it is uh, kind of a cute scene because it's like 400 clocks start going off all at once, and then at one, like he looks around and sees that and then goes, oh, I wonder what time it is, and then looks at his watch. Like, right. That was kind of clever. Yeah. Sets an alarm to go to bed at 9 o'clock. Like, it's a reverse alarm clock. Like... It's yeah. <laughs> kind of the opposite of what that's yeah. supposed to be. Uh, yeah, they all go to bed. I'm already noting there's a lot of sleepy scenes in Disney films so far. Like, we got the same thing with the dwarves earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and now we're getting it with... And also the trope of, let's all go to sleep. Oh, wait, it's too damn loud in here to sleep, because the same thing happened with the dwarves all snoring. We get that now. Jiminy Cricket can't sleep because of all the damn clocks going... <laughs> To the point where he's freaking out about individual grains of sand coming down through an hourglass. Yeah. Like, uh, while they're in bed, he tells Figaro his wish that uh, the Pinocchio could could come alive because they see the wishing star. Right. And uh, Jiminy Cricket is completely cynical about this. Like, yeah, that'll never happen. Like, totally right. uh, not buying it. Like, I noticed, uh, particularly in these opening scenes, Jiminy Cricket does a lot of, like, Jim Halperding at the camera, just, like, making faces and being like, that'll never work, just to nobody. Which, I guess, if he's the narrator, it makes sense, but I don't know. It got a little bit obnoxious. He, yeah, he does that a lot. He is not, I mean, he's chosen uh, later on to be uh, Pinocchio's conscience, He's, I don't know that he's a great candidate for this. Like, he's, he's cynical. <laughs> he's a real mason. He, like, gives up really easily, mm-hmm. like, pouts. Like, he... I don't know that he's a great candidate for that job. Right. He, he hates all the noise, like we were saying, all the all the clocks making all that noise. Uh, despite being a... And a crickets, to me, are one of the most annoying ass bugs that there are. Like, they just make noise you think all noise the time. Is yeah. the sort of like, when they're outside, then it's kind of peaceful. Like, oh, I can hear the crickets outside, whatever. But, like, if you get one in your kitchen... And it's On like, your hearth. Oh, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> then it's like, just shut up, man. Like, I'm trying to watch the show, or I'm trying to sleep. Right. Like, crickets. Fuck you, man. <laughs> so, uh, 
And he makes the wish upon the star, like the song says, wishing that Pinocchio could come to life, and, and he and Figaro and the fish whose name I didn't learn all fall uh, asleep. Cleo. Cleo. Cleo the fish. They all fall asleep. Come now for your free reading. <laughs> uh... So the wish has been made, and then suddenly uh, Glinda the Good Witch comes in right through the window to uh, use some magic and grant Geppetto's wish. I get that they gotta sell tickets, but I feel like the Blue Fairy, uh, a little bit overly sexualized, like, just like prettier than she really needs to be. She looks drastically different from everyone else in the film. True, yeah. But uh, I took that as, hey, this is a supernatural being and not a goofy cartoon right. caricature. But it could have been a, a fairy, right? It could have been like a Tinkerbell looking sort of thing. Although I know there are plenty of people that find Tinkerbell uh, to be sexy. Yeah, that'll be a weird movie when we get to that yeah. one. Also, that one quite racist, so. There you go. Look forward to that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the blue fairy uh, taps the Pinocchio puppet with her wand and then boom, he's alive. And she explains he's alive, but he's not a real boy. He has to earn that. Just so you yeah, explain. She grants this wish in totally half ass mode. <laughs> like, oh, you want to be a real boy? Well, we'll trial basis. Put some like, conditions on this. You can come alive, but you're still going to be a puppet. Yeah, like, at least it's not like a you're alive till midnight kind of right. thing. Like, but you've got to earn your way to being a real boy. And she explains the way to do that is by being brave, truthful, and unselfish, and learning to choose between right and wrong, and all that jazz. Doing all that will make him a real boy. Until then, he's just a abomination, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> a living puppet. Right. Uh, While uh, she's explaining this, Jiminy Cricket basically says he ain't having any of this, and tries to tell Pinocchio off, for Pinocchio says he doesn't know what a conscience is, and Cricket has to get all up in his business about kids these days and all their crap. Right. So the fairy asks Jiminy Cricket to be uh, Pinocchio's conscience, which he only agrees to do if he can get some sort of medal or badge for doing that. More evidence that Jiminy may not be the best person right. for his role. He wants, uh, you know, he's in it for himself. I don't know why a badge is what he wants so bad. And he goes back and he's like, can I get a badge? Yes. And then he turns back again and is like, a gold one. And right, yeah. Just keeps adding stuff to it. But uh, whatever, I guess everyone's got to have a motivation. But he gets uh, some fancy new threads. It's true. No longer wearing the hobo clothes. And he's given the task of watching over Pinocchio and being his conscience. Which it's, at least makes sense because the fairy granted him that. It's not like right. in Snow White when she randomly starts wearing this really pretty dress. You know, she's <laughs> true, yeah. made her whole life. and Right. And then we got to have a song because it's song time. And this is where we have give a little whistle. Uh, I laughed that Pinocchio can't whistle either. So that made me feel a little better inside. So uh, as, the, at the, as they finish their song, uh, there's a big crash right right well i just wanted to know during the song uh while jiminy's explaining whistling and all that he uh climbs on top of a violin and pops a string which hits him in the ass another ass thing that's true but at the same time that would have fucked a cricket up like you would think so, i yeah. broke i've never broken a violin i don't play that but i have broken a guitar string before and if that like slaps you on the arm it hurts real bad and if you're the size of a cricket. Like, I'm pretty sure you're just splattered at that point. There's a big crash, uh, which causes uh, Geppetto to wake up. Um, mm -hmm. When he wakes up, he has to light a match so he can see. How does he light the match? If you guessed using his ass, <laughs> you're right. True. Yeah. Also, Geppetto keeps a loaded gun under his yeah, pillow. Yeah, I wrote that down too. For, like, why does he have a gun? Like, <laughs> he lives alone in a toy shop. I guess someone could try to, you know, break in. Damn kids trying to steal all my toys. <laughs> he really seems like a creepy old drunk man. That yeah. Probably violence. Also, I feel like as Geppetto is, uh, and this happens while he's dancing around in, in his night clothes and stuff, and in this scene when he's running around, you see a lot of old man leg here. Like, I don't understand that. More of the, like, deviance of this movie, I guess. Like, I guess so. But yeah, so he wakes up, lights the match on his ass, goes to check out what's going on. <laughs> and he discovers that Pinocchio is alive, or kind of alive, whatever. Uh, and then it's time to, you know, celebrate and dance. Like, he's the fucking Grandpa Joe in... Uh, he's got a golden ticket, yes. Yeah, he's just start off dancing. So he still has to go back to bed, though, because Pinocchio has to go to school, despite not being a real right. boy. You're alive, let's give you a task to do. Right. So they all go to bed. Uh, uh, before that happens, though, Pinocchio tries to put out the candle and, you know, showing his obliviousness and naivete, uh, he sets himself on fire. He's a wooden boy. Like, that's bound to happen. Uh, this causes Geppetto to panic and put him out and sort of realize, oh, we got to teach you some stuff. And I think that's when he realizes you got to go to school. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Still, you could take like a week or so, you know, instructing him yourself. The guy was literally born yesterday. Let's send him off on his own yeah. into the world. 
So we yeah. he wouldn't be able to do that now, right? You gotta get shot records. You gotta do yeah, all these other things. Like, he doesn't even have any blood. How can you give him a shot? Just, hey, you're you're here. Go to school now. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow he has school supplies for him already too. He gives him his little book strap yeah, to carry, and, and gives an apple to get yeah, to his an teacher. An apple he just randomly had in his pocket, like like you do when you're an old man. Like, like, old, I would not eat an apple out of an old man's pocket. Right, it's like, alone. Old men I know have hard candies in their pocket, like this weirdo. He's got a he's got an apple in his pocket. Like, you know a lot of old men. <laughs> I I know some old men, and they have hard candy in their pockets. But yeah, uh, optimistic ass Geppetto just shoves Pinocchio out the door, even though he, this is five minutes after he set himself on fire. <laughs> he's just gonna let him waltz into the world. Yeah, and what's, uh, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So Pinocchio starts marching down the street and runs into a pervy fox. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Cricket is a talking cricket. But he usually talks just to Pinocchio. He doesn't talk to the other characters right. except for the other little boy later on. Uh, but that's it. Uh, this is just a, a human-sized fox walking on two legs, right. walking down the street. No one seems to question this. All he's the not, other population is people. Right. He's not trying to hide, though, right. from the well, kids. I anyway. think that's like, definitely uh, not that this is a fairy tale, but uh, sort of a fairy tale-like aspect to this film, to where it's like, it's, it's a caricature. Like, he's... S- sneaky and sly, he should be a fox. Like, you know, we can have animals and people interacting in the same world. It's more about the idea than it is his actual uh, character, right. I guess. And then, of course, his name is Honest John, which mm-hmm. lets you know right away that he's not at all honest. Not Naturally. Not let children know that right away, but it lets uh, the adults know that right away. Right. And the fox, so this little dopey cat friend, uh, sees the boy marching down the street, and he also sees a poster for The Great Stromboli and his marionette show. And I guess he's met Stromboli before. He acts like he's an old acquaintance, so he knows he can get one over on him and use Stromboli to earn himself a little bit of gold. So his ticket to doing that is Pinocchio. Uh, the cat, Gideon, uh, was originally supposed to have lines. He was supposed to uh, talk and get to say things, which is what it means when you have lines. Yes. Uh, and he was supposed to be voiced, and they actually recorded all this by uh, Mel Blanc. Uh, really? Warner Brothers. Funny, yeah. uh, and But then they decided to make him mute after he'd already done all these lines. <laughs> that sucks. Which they also did in Snow White, because Mel Blanc was supposed to be Dopey, who also <laughs> randomly was later decided to be mute. The was there only, some bad blood that I came out? Between the them? only Mel Blanc uh, noise that... Uh, that survived from his voiceover uh, recording is the hiccup that Gideon does uh, in the bar uh, later on uh, when they're talking to... Well, don't be hiccups, too, when he gets well, they, the maybe just hiccups. They might have just reused it. I mean, it could be. I don't know. I wonder if he still got a check for that. I don't know. Uh, I will say, uh, this is... I have just recently seen the film Zootopia, and a lot of that is playing off... Uh, characters not trusting uh, foxes and it feels a lot like the reason we have this is because Disney taught us that because like as soon as you see Honest John walking down the street no there's no reason to trust him you know he's up to no good like this fucking six foot fox walking down the middle of the road I don't want to mess with that guy there's also a funny joke where Honest John also doesn't know how to spell Pinocchio which (laughs) Taking notes for this film, I'm pretty sure I spelled it about six different ways throughout. When we text each other about it, I refuse to try to spell it, so I just write P-I-N and hope that that, that Jake understood what I meant. I started calling him Pinocchio. Just P-N-O-K-E. Honest John convinces Pinocchio to not go to school and instead uh, go away with him and Gideon, uh, but because he convinces him that he can be in the theater, he can be an actor, and they sing another famous song. I diddly dee, the actor's life for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he takes him away off to see Stromboli, although not uh, right. Pinocchio doesn't know that at this point. Now, I will say uh, something good about this film is it does a, a good job of making the wrong path look like it's fun and exciting and what you need to be doing. Like, you know, since we're viewers on the outside, we can clearly see what this fox is up to and how he's enticing Pinocchio like this. But from Pinocchio's shoes, like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. I want to go do that. And that's right, and when the whole theme is about learning between right and wrong. That's one of the stronger aspects of this film. If you were a parent watching this with your kid, this is the time where you could talk to them and say, right. you know, uh, yeah, you'd probably rather do that than go to school, but you know that it's important that you go to school, right? Right, right. Um, Jimmy Cricket wakes up late, notices yeah. Pinocchio's already gone, how much trouble could he have already gotten in or whatever. Right. Know. The cracked conscience there, Jimmy Cricket oversleeps on his first day on the job. Perhaps because Geppetto only says go to bed alarms and yeah. not wake up alarms. <laughs> Must be. 
But yeah, so he hauls ass to catch up with Pinocchio, and uh, he sees that Pinocchio is being led off by Honest John. He knows not to trust Honest John, and his first thought is to go tell uh, Geppetto, which is a smart decision. But then he goes, "No, wait, that'll be snitching," and he doesn't do it, and he chases after after yeah, Pinocchio. Yeah, so himself. even our conscience doesn't necessarily do the right thing here. Like, nah, when he knows snitches get stitches. So they are valued members of society, kids. Don't let don't <laughs> let anyone tell you that. You tattle on all your friends. There you go. If you care about them. So now we cut to the Stromboli marionettes uh, show. My first note is I already like Stromboli. <laughs> he is a big, ridiculous, over-the-top character, which is yells and mumbles the whole time. Mm-hmm. And unintelligibly. Right. Uh, clearly meant to be some sort of Eastern European like traveler that has come to, uh, you know, traveling around the world trying to make a book. Uh, then, you know, so as Pinocchio performs, we get to hear him saying, I've got no strings, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people were disappointed uh, with the second Avengers movie, but I thought the trailer for it amazing because of the use of this song. Uh, Was with, that in the trailer? Uh, oh, okay. With, uh, Volt- Voltron. Ultron. Ultron. <laughs> Voltron is different. Ultron. Uh, it was, you know, it sort of playing like a real slow, creepy version of this song. Yeah, I was going to say, surely it's not the Pinocchio track. No, it's like, like a sleep, it's like me. a slow, creepy right. version of it. But like, it, he clever. actually, some of the lines that he says, that James Spader uh, says in the movie as, as Ultron, uh, mm-hmm. I've got no strings on me or he's not a puppet like, uh, like Pinocchio is. And, right. Or was. Yeah, so we get to see Pinocchio's performance here. He does pick up this acting thing very quickly. Like, it could be a viable option for him in the future. He seems to know how to entertain and how to have fun. Don't worry, there's more butts, though. He gets yeah. sandwiched in between two uh, two of the female puppets. They they both ram up against him with the, with the right. asses. And the asses. <laughs> I, I did. I'm not comfortable with how sexy these puppets are. Like, it's kind of strange. And then I was like... Uh, I started thinking about it, and I was just like, God, just wait till we get to the great mouse detective, and we got to deal with the sexy mouse cabaret. Like, that was not something I was cool with as a kid. But, uh, yeah, uh, big puppet dance number. Uh, I guess it makes sense for Stromboli to have attractive puppets to get people's attention, but then we also get the, like, Russian Cossack dancers that tangle... uh, Pinocchio up in the closing number. Early Disney movies, especially, not afraid of using stereotypes wherever possible. So yeah, you get French Can Can girls, you get uh, you get the the, the Cossacks, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You get this uh, ridiculous Italian man yelling <laughs> all the time. Right, Stromboli. Mm-hmm. You'll get Native Americans later. Yeah, <laughs> I believe we cut back to Geppetto here for a second. Uh, He's, he's realizing Pinocchio hasn't come back and is bewildered by this fact, despite the fact that he gave him no instructions or uh, guidance or anything like that. Just, ah, go have fun. I hope you come back. There's an unbelievable amount of food on their table as they're having this discussion about yeah. Pinocchio. Like, the cat gets this giant fish, mm-hmm. and, like, Geppetto's got a big plate of food, too. Uh, Geppetto declares that none of them are allowed to eat until right. Pinocchio is found, because... I'm an idiot. I also, don't know. Like, eating a seafood dinner when one of the housemates is a goldfish. Like, that's, kind of the goldfish yeah. is just eating a giant piece of cake. Yeah. I uh, wonder where he got that. We didn't mention this. Uh, she's, it's clearly a girl, right? Like, I think so. Cleo. Yeah. Cleo sounds like a girl uh, name. We didn't mention this before. All the fish in this movie, or most of the fish in this movie, are pretty slutty. Um, <laughs> Cleo are they? Uh, it tries to flirt with Pinocchio a lot. Like, yeah. she gets complimented and like tries to look all sexy. And like it happens later when they're in the ocean, too, with... Uh, with Jimmy Cricket. Yeah, I think Geppetto was... kisses a fish accidentally. Are you calling that fish slutty? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm not slut. I am slut shaming the fish here. I'm sorry. About that. <laughs> I don't think that's a sentence I expected anyone to say in this podcast, but whatever. So then we go back. Yeah, we to... cut back and we see uh, Stromboli is now counting the money with Pinocchio and eating some dinner. He takes a big old bite out of a raw onion. So yeah. that really makes you like this guy. And he's laughing, and Pinocchio's laughing. Pinocchio doesn't understand why he's Pinocchio laughing. Pinocchio thinks he's having a good time. He's like, "Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna, do, you know, go see Geppetto real quick, and I'll be back tomorrow for right. work." And he pays. He's when he's counting the money, he finds a washer mixed in with the gold coins, and he's like, "Oh!" And then he realizes, "Oh, here's your pay, Pinocchio." And Pinocchio treasures it because he doesn't know. He's like, "Oh boy, I got something." And that's good. Uh, that's good heel work from Stromboli there. Like, it's a good job making your villain look like a scumbag. Right. So Pinocchio doesn't understand why uh, why he can't go and see Geppetto. Right. Uh, uh, and Stromboli laughs. He's like, "You're gonna go see him?" 
And then he like locks him in a birdcage and says, no, you're not, and locks him up. And this is heartbreaking for Pinocchio. Stromboli just uh, walks out, shuts the door behind him, and starts moving on down the road. He's dragging, Str- or he's dragging Pinocchio with him. I thought Stromboli was genuinely uh, pretty intimidating here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. We get before it was sort of like comedic that he was yelling right. all the time and like what you know he was a showman or whatever. But now you see like the the dark side of show business, right. which goes along with what you were saying before. How like the the easy path you know often looks like it's not right. that bad. And you, you end know? up in a in a bad situation. Um, so Jiminy Cricket arrives uh, to well, talk to Pinocchio. Yeah, Jiminy has a little moment of doubt first because he sees Pinocchio going down the road. And he's like, oh no, there he goes. I guess he's decided acting's the way to go and tries to abandon his post again. Right. I maybe Jiminy Cricket's learning a lesson throughout all this too. I don't know. Perhaps he has a change of heart, decides to run back and sees what's happening to Pinocchio, and is like, "Oh my God, I gotta save you!" Right? Because I think what he actually decided was that he wanted to go and say goodbye to Pinocchio. That's like, it. Uh, like, well, this is what he's decided, but I, I should tell him goodbye. Like, mm-hmm. and then so he gets there, he sees that Pinocchio's in the cage. He gets in the cage with Pinocchio when he could right. leave and go alert someone, but instead he wants yeah, to. Well, he's trying him, to help, I guess. Uh, he tries to pick the lock, but he doesn't know what he's doing, so he can't do that. Uh, while he's getting uh, uh, carried away by this carriage, we see the carriage actually pass Geppetto out in the rain, who's like bundled up in a uh, like raincoat, still calling for Pinocchio, and that's you know that's probably one of the most like uh, like heart wrenching scenes in the film. And we see like a lonely old man looking for his son, and he's so close, but he just can't get him. You know, right? That's true. And then uh, when things look their hope, uh, most hopeless, uh, divine intervention happens, and the the blue fairy comes down to help. She sees that Pinocchio is all locked up and uh, tries to teach him a lesson about you know what you know. Still reiterating from the right path to the wrong. Uh, we notice that Pinocchio has already learned how to lie to keep himself from getting in trouble. At this point, it is one day on Earth, so he starts lying to the blue fairy, and then that's when we get. Uh, his nose growing and growing and she, the fairy explains uh, the point of this it shows that a lie keeps growing and growing until it's as plain as the nose on your face and so Pinocchio vows to never lie again and then they set off for home and this is literally the only scene in the movie where Pinocchio tells a lie and his nose grows like well he learns his lessons good learner he does but it's that's probably the most well known thing about Pinocchio like oh yeah don't tell a lie there Pinocchio like right and it's literally two minutes of screen time, and that, that's that's all that happens. I thought maybe this is how the Geppetto thing ended, but I thought he, like, started telling lies to make his nose grow, to, like, get out of the whale later, like, that tickles his uvula and makes him throw up. I don't know. I think, I haven't seen the Drew Carey TV movie in, like, 15 years, but I'm thinking that might have been how that ended, and that's why I was thinking that. But that's at least, here's a callback to a thing from earlier... It, we we could have actually, you know, looked this up for you and been sure, but... No one cares about the Drew Carey TV movie. Uh, well, I mean, but he made a promise. He promised he would never lie again, so he couldn't right. lie even to save himself later. That does teach, teach a stranger lesson where it's like, yeah, you shouldn't lie, but sometimes it's the most helpful thing in the world. Right, yeah, we don't, we don't need to confuse little kids with bringing right. white Because lying can be the most helpful thing in the world, children. <laughs> lying is very important. It solves all your problems. Uh, now we're at a skeezy tavern with Honest John. Uh, I noticed his cat friend, uh, Gideon, they said. Uh, he blows a smoke ring and then grabs it like a donut and then dips it in his coffee, and or not coffee, but ale, and then right. takes a bite out of it. It's a little strange. I think that's uh, the most unhealthy way uh, you can... Probably. You probably shouldn't eat your smoke. Uh, <laughs> but if you're going to, make sure you dip it in alcohol. <laughs> and we see Honest John. He's laughing, uh, excited about the deal he's pulled off. He's meeting with... Uh, creepy looking guy that I, I wrote down looks kind of like Dusty Rhodes but he's got like a uh, like Scottish accent I think he was real creepy uh, we find out this guy has a business of kidnapping children for reasons I don't want to know right I mean he explains <laughs> it in one sentence like this is a direct quote from the movie I'm collecting stupid little boys <laughs> okay yeah, like is that on your business and card and then he like, reveals he's taking them to a place called Pleasure Island uh, which, I, it really sounds like human sex trafficking. Like, that, there's no other way around it. But uh, Honest John is trying to show off the gold he made by giving Pinocchio to Stromboli, and then 
you know, creepy dude over here says, no, 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 you can make some real gold. And so now Honest John has got a new goal in mind. And that takes us to our next conflict. Uh, John finds Pinocchio pretty easily. Uh, doesn't seem surprised by the fact that Pinocchio has escaped Stromboli's grasp. I guess you just expected that. But he is able to deceive Pinocchio. He tells him that he's sick. This is actually kind of a fun little scene where, uh, you know, he's popping off with the fast talk, trying to scare Pinocchio, and at the same time his cat friend's, like, taking notes like it's a diagnosis. Uh, and his conclusion is that Pinocchio is allergic. In order to cure that, he needs a vacation, and then the way to do that is to go to Pleasure Island. So, like, once again, we're high diddly dee and out of the way. I don't know where Jiminy Cricket was for this. He's, once again, nowhere to be found and unhelpful, but right. he does at least uh, tail them. So now we see... Did we learn Creepy Dude's name at any point? Uh, no, I just tried to look it up and I... I okay. So we see Dusty Rhodes uh, galloping away on I'm a carriage. Come to the island, baby. <laughs> You're gonna be huge. I'm collecting stupid little boys. <laughs> He's galloping away on a carriage full of, yeah, a bunch of dinguses. A <laughs> bunch of bad kids that are... Uh, they feel like all their dreams are gonna come true by going to this island where there will be no cops, no parents, no one to tell them what to do. And... Uh, Pinocchio befriends uh, some dickhead. <laughs> His name, like Ledwick or something like that. Lampwick. Lampwick. Yeah. It was a, not a, a not a good character. He's a bad kid, and he's got a slingshot. He's very excited about Pleasure Island and what's what's waiting ahead of them. And we arrive there, and we see. I kind of thought it would just be like, well, now you're here, and it's a dusty old warehouse. Like, let's <laughs> lock you up forever. But uh, there is actually a carnival there that gets absolutely destroyed by these children. Which makes me wonder how much Dusty Rhodes has to spend on this ploy every time. Because, like, I guess he rebuilds the carnival every time. Which... Yeah, I mean, he points out that the stupid little boys never come back from this island. Uh, right. He, yeah, I don't know if he has to keep repairing it or what. Especially, like, in that one, uh, what is it called, the rough house or whatever. Where all you do is yeah. go in and beat the shit out of people. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's, I bet there's a, some ugly aftermath to that place, but... Uh, Let's go in there and poke someone in the nose. There's a <laughs> yeah. lampshade. Like, lamp <laughs> and Proki's like, why would we do that? Just for fun. Uh, yeah, and then we get a... I, I, I wrote our first instance, but you found another instance in the previous movie, but an early instance of some uh, Disney racism again when we get to see... Uh, it's called, like, the Tobacco Corner, and there's just giant, like, cigar-throwing Indians... Uh, it's definitely a, a stereotype of the time that's uh, not something you'd probably see written in a Disney film at any point these days. So there are giant doors to Pleasure Island which are shut behind the boys after they get there. Yeah. Which are shut by these weird, like, creatures all dressed in black. I don't, are they dressed in black? I thought or they are were. They just, like, I shadow creatures. in all like, caps, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> they look like... Like Doctor Seuss characters, almost no, no, like he, giant, like they're like the guys that uh, tried to take the Who away from Horton. In the, I think they were green. They're like Grinches, but black. That's what I thought. I don't know. Like. like the Undertaker's druids show up and, and <laughs> lock the boys up. Yeah, they lock the door, and then we see like a close up of them later. Like it's not just a shadowy figure in the distance. Like that's what they look like. Just Dementors here. Yeah, it's kind of like a bear, but with a much different body shape. I don't know. It was creepy, but. Uh, yeah, the rambunctious children that were given infinite freedom naturally leads to the complete destruction of the town. Uh, Which is another chance, uh, as a parent, you could talk about, well, here's what happens when you get to do anything you want. Look how awful right. these little boys turned out to be. Yeah, so we get to see uh, things have calmed down a bit. Pinocchio and Lampshade are hanging out in the, uh, the pool hall, which I think this is a good instance of how values have changed in the last, you know, 80 years to where... Like, what do the bad kids do? Smoking? Drinking? Okay, that's something kids shouldn't do. Playing pool! Like, that's not, like, viewed as evil in 2016, I don't think. That's, no, other than maybe, like, the places you have to go to play pool or maybe, even bars. But, like, you can own a pool table. <laughs> like, it's right. an honest thing to It's a game. Yeah. Um, they don't question that they're the only two that seem to be left. It's just Pinocchio and Lamprey right. are well, the only two. Pinocchio that... questions it, but the other guy just doesn't. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're right. somewhere. But, uh, yeah, and this is where we get to see the comeuppance for all these uh, kids going off the walls like this. They're making literal jackasses out of themselves, which that's I think that's another thing that made me weirded out by this movie. Not so much the trans, like, as a kid, 
not so much the transformations into a donkey, but the fact that they said jackass in the film, like that, I thought that was a bad swear you weren't supposed to say when I was like 10. So I was really weirded out when I would watch this and I was like, you can't say that in a Disney movie. (laughs) Right. Uh, That was just something that didn't, uh, didn't click to me. So despite not being a real boy himself, Pinocchio starts to transition to a donkey as well. Transition? <laughs> Transform? Right. Well, whatever. Uh, he grows ears, uh, at least. Uh, That's as far as it goes for him while his his buddy there... Uh, right. We also... Uh, Jiminy Cricket rushes back in at this point and tries to show Spinocchio that he's you know making a mistake, falling in with the wrong crowd. Pinocchio says that Lampshade is his best friend here, which really hurts Jiminy Cricket's feelings, where it's like, dude, come on. Even though they never had an agreement where they were friends, like, clearly Jiminy has a job to do, he's not supposed to be his friend, he's supposed to be an advisor, a mentor, but it it hurt his feelings for whatever reason. Right. Also, uh, there's, uh, Lampshade is, like, frustrated with Jiminy Cricket here, and is like, no, what do you get out of here, little bug? And he, uh, I think he says, screwball, corner pocket, and he, like, hits the the pool ball that uh, Jiminy Cricket is standing on and then totally loses this pool game at the same time because he also sinks the eight ball in that move when there's clearly still several other balls on the table. Perhaps, but Pinocchio doesn't know the rules. He's probably hustling the shit out of Pinocchio right now. Well, we know all he has is a washer. It's not like he's got any money. But, uh, yeah, so... uh, So Jiminy gets frustrated again and leaves Pinocchio again. Right. And this is when... He discovers that, uh, hey, there's no children around here, and look behind this door, there's a bunch of donkeys wearing children's clothes. Right, and then that's when Pinocchio starts to grow his ears, and Heat Lamp starts to transi- uh, become a donkey himself. Yeah, and so uh, they panic, uh, the dingus runs on out of there, and Pinocchio's left alone. Uh, uh, Jiminy Cricket comes back and is like, no, they're all, this is horrible, we gotta get out of here. The donkey children are being sent to, like, the salt mines and circuses and stuff, so it's pretty horrifying consequences. They don't, they don't try to save them, though? Like, no, they just like, escape and save themselves. We've got to go, these kids, there's no hope for them. Right. And just again, questionable <laughs> morality from our conscience. Uh, yeah. So they get back to Geppetto's house, only to discover that Geppetto is not there. Uh, they get a random bird fairy that delivers a, yeah. a note. <laughs> the blue fairy's busy. She couldn't come down this time. Yeah, so, so this one time of her underlings. bird. Uh, yeah, and the note from the fairies informs them that Geppetto is not home because he's been eaten by a fucking whale. Because <laughs> that's the sort of thing that happens when you go out looking for your son. But uh, I also have a question at this point. Uh, when we last saw Geppetto, he was alone looking. And when we last saw him speaking to Figaro and Cleo, he said, you two will stay here until I get back. Some point in the the little window of time there, They've joined up with Geppetto, I guess, because nobody's home now, and they're all in the whale. So I don't know if he had to run back home for something or what, but... Inside the whale, when we see him later, uh, they're fishing, uh, ostensibly so they can eat, even though Geppetto's already declared no one is allowed to eat until they find Pinocchio. (laughs) That's true. So he's breaking his own Maybe he's doing it for boredom, maybe he's just entertaining himself. Also, I guess there's the possibility that Figaro and Cleo went out looking for Geppetto themselves, but how the fuck did Cleo do that? (laughs) He's still in her bowl. uh, Right. I don't think the cat can carry a fish bowl, so... (laughs) I don't know about that one. But, uh, yeah, so things look absolutely hopeless for Geppetto, and then we cut back, we see Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket. Pinocchio knows that uh, Geppetto's got to be at the bottom of the ocean, so he ties his tail to a big rock and jumps off a cliff. And uh, he tries to tell Jiminy Cricket, no, don't worry, don't come with me, but Cricket's not going to have that. So we see their bond is kind of, you know, linked back up. There's no problems there. I sort of thought the reasoning we might have had this underwater scene was so we could test out, like, what I assume were brand new... Uh, underwater microphone effects in the Maybe, 40s they sound kind of horrifying these days a lot of like gurgle yeah it's just like so yeah there's a little bit of a sort of cutesy fish stuff that goes on at the bottom i guess that's probably to lure you into a false sense of security for the horrifying thing that's coming but up they, afterwards they ask the fish uh, about monstro yeah and you know it's like saying Voldemort like they all panic and leave which is a good thing of of like getting over the idea of how scary this big which I mean if you say it's a big whale that ate this guy and eats whole ships alive I don't know that you still need to show other fish being scared of him like true but we get it you might as well build him up I guess but all these tiny fish are afraid of just the mere mention of his name right so uh there's also uh, like a herd of like seahorse that follow uh 
Japan, or not Japan, that follow Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio, and we get, like, horse galloping music behind them, so I thought that was kind of clever. But yeah, then we finally get the establishing shot of Monstro, where he's just asleep on the bottom of the ocean, which I don't know, can whales do that? Like, I don't know how whales sleep, but that's a long way from air. And they can hold their breath for so long. That's like, true. I, I believe that they sleep. I don't think sharks can sleep, because right. they can't stop moving. Right. But I think whales sleep. Right. Well, either way, bottom of the ocean, uh, and then we cut back to inside. Geppetto's still trying to fish. I'm sitting here thinking, hey, man, you got a pet fish right behind you if you're really hungry. But yeah, and then at this point, uh, Monstro finally awakes, because I guess it's time to eat, and he opens up his mouth, and you see just schools and schools of fish flying in, and the I will say the behind-the-mouth shots look pretty terrifying in this film. Yeah. You just see, like, giant, like, red gums and white teeth and just water rushing in. And I stand by my 10-year-old self being afraid of this whale. But as he's eating fish, uh, Geppetto's real excited. He's got his fishing pole. I assume there would be a net somewhere on that ship as well, but I guess he lost one because the fishing pole's taken a really long time. But he's throwing the fish right up over his head as he catches them. Figaro's trying to catch them and uh, hold them down in the uh, little fishing like pool they got there on the ship. Uh, it's a big old haul, and while he's hauling them up, he also hauls up Pinocchio, who's been swallowed. And then we get the... The embrace, they finally find each other again. It's like, oh, father and son back together, but things still look, you know, their most uh, hopeless. Geppetto uh, reveals that he's made himself a raft while he's down there, which I thought was a very professional-looking raft. Like, looked like a raft you could have bought at the store. We've already established that he's really good at woodworking from, you know, all the things he has in his home, but still, you know, to have the presence of mind to do that rather than, you know, just assume you're going to die down there inside the whale. Right. Uh, plus, he did have a lot of, like, ship wreckage to work with, so... True. Didn't necessarily have tools, though. Yeah. Maybe it was a craftsman's ship. Oh, uh, well, maybe. maybe. Uh, but yeah, and then... And so we're all down there. Geppetto's like, oh, it's hopeless. We're never going to get out of here, Pinocchio, but I'm glad to see you again. And Pinocchio's like, no, we can get out of here. We need fire. Uh, so he builds a fire. Uh, he starts throwing every piece of the ship on there that he can. And I noticed he very nearly smothered the entire fire after he started it, when he pulls, like, a big blanket and tosses that on and almost put the whole damn thing out. And this is when we get to the really intense, uh, the climax of the film, because we see the smokes pouring out of Monstro, and he's, like, he's got, like, a big grumpy eye that comes out, which I kind of enjoyed. And he starts making sounds that, I think they might be train sounds, but I think it was the sound that scared me more than anything as a kid. Like, it's really like low pitch, like kind of thing. Plus massive creature swimming through the ocean. Like it's, it was, you know, it was intense. Okay. Fine. You're never going to give me this. (laughs) Monstro starts sneezing because of the fire and Geppetto and Pinocchio are trying to swim the raft on out of there while it's happening, but they're fighting against the currents. And then eventually they do get totally blown out of there. And uh, they're not out of the woods yet because uh, I guess Monstro sees them escaping and isn't having any of that shit, so he's targeting them, and eventually his tail destroys their raft and injures Geppetto, and it comes down to Pinocchio to save him. Uh, Pinocchio does uh, pull the, he learned the part about selflessness that the, yeah, unselfish, that the, the blue fairy told him about earlier, because he puts everything he can into dragging Geppetto on out of there and ends up sacrificing himself in the process. Like, they end up washing up into a cave, and Geppetto's fine, Figaro's fine, Cleo's fine, but uh, Pinocchio's not. He's totally dead. <laughs> right. Now, this is, uh, he is dead, actually, but uh, this is something that people often see as, or apparently some people see as a mistake. Uh, people assume that it, it looks like because he's face down that maybe he is drowned, which doesn't make a lot of sense since he mm. was walking around with no issue underwater. True. The, uh, he's also next to a big rock. The thing that's supposed to yeah. have killed him is that he's hit his head on this giant rock. I kind That's of, why he's right. face down in the water. When this was happening, I didn't really remember that Pinocchio died at the end of this film. And then, I like, watching it back, I was kind of like, I guess that makes sense if he's going to become a real boy. But uh, as this was happening, I kind of thought, like, this is a wooden puppet being hurled into a rock wall, like, at top speed. He's going to be shattered into a million pieces, which probably would have been a lot more uh, drastic of an ending, but... Uh, would have gotten the message across a little more clearly. So we're two movies in uh, now, and both of our titular characters have died at some point in the movie and been brought back at the end. Yeah. 
That's uh, that's two in a row right there. Snow White gets poisoned and revived, and Pinocchio gets you know killed by a whale and revived. So we'll see if that uh, continues. Right. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're mourning Pinocchio's death, and then once again, the, like the, the fourth time, I guess we get the blue fairy coming down. Sort of a guardian angel comes in and says, "Well, Pinocchio learned his lesson. He learned all these values, so he gets to be a real boy." And then. We revive him, and then we get to have a big dance party, as it ends. Like you do. Mm-hmm. And then we sing When You Wish Upon a Star once again as we go to the closing credits. So, yeah, that's Pinocchio. Uh, final thoughts? Uh, you know, uh, it's, yeah. a, it's pretty... pretty <laughs> it's about how I feel, too. Yeah. You know, is the <laughs> best way to explain this one. Right. Pretty unfocused, which we'll see when we start going over our, our scores for the movie uh, affects its a lot of its scores for me at least yeah i was pretty bored throughout this movie like snow white uh you know i hadn't seen it in just as long amount of time i sat down to watch it uh, it was just me by myself you know uh evening you know like let's pop in snow white and take some notes about it i had a generally good time and then pinocchio was just it was a little bit rougher to get through uh i don't think there was anything i actively disliked about the film it just the whole thing was not much to write home about like my only talking point going into the movie was the whale is scary and at the end I kind of realized why that was the only thing is because that's all nothing else about the film really stuck like after watching it as an adult I'm like yeah the whale was scary and then that's that's all I can really say about the film so with that I guess we'll uh jump into our our rubric here for grading this on uh if you if you didn't check out the intro episode or the first one this is your first episode we use a little rubric here as the best way of grading uh several different aspects of the, about the film and not so much pulling out like an objective like uh critical review of it or anything but what qualities what disney qualities does the film have what does it succeed at what disney magic does it sort of show and basically the goal is find what is the quintessential disney movie and based on watching this one here i don't think it's going to be too top of the list for me but uh, well it's a list it has two things on it so. it's not at the top right now i can right. tell you that so yeah our, our first category would be the plots uh we call that the matters the matters of the film and i i don't know there were some things i enjoyed plot wise uh in many ways i thought it felt more fairy tale than snow white i guess because of the whole morality thing and trying to teach uh like a cautionary tale of like a small child learning the ways of the world being deceived learning a lesson for it and i think that structure works well but like most of the characters aren't very strong or memorable uh pinocchio similar to snow white doesn't have much of a character but again he was literally born yesterday so i think that works for uh, pinocchio a little better than like Here's a blank piece of paper with a dress on it that we're calling a princess. But, uh, so yeah, I went with three for the plot. Yeah, I went with two and a half. Uh, so similar. Uh, just unfocused, it, it felt like to yeah. me. Like, uh, we bring the whale in at the end. I don't know if we really need to. Like, I feel like Pleasure Island's scary enough. True. It's very much like three small adventures he goes on. Like, he goes adventure in, uh, you know, with Stromboli's marionette show, adventure with pleasure island and then adventure with the whale right but it's not really marketed that way in the yeah. way that like we'll see later on with the mini adventures of winnie the pooh where yeah. it's like these are separate stories that happen to these characters right this is i love that movie well, by the way i do too but this is you know ostensibly supposed to be one story right but it's, it's kind of like three small ones yeah i don't know. um i'm sure there's no way this was the case but at uh there's like a lot of the terrible like uh, sequels to Disney movies that exist uh, a lot of them have followed that kind of thing where it's like here's three mini stories because they were clearly supposed to be the beginning of a TV series for the, mm. that show or that movie and it didn't work so they got packaged together and released as like a 90 minute film and it doesn't work Obviously, in the 40s, that wasn't the case with this, but it still feels like that same kind of structure. Which, I mean, you would think you would have some sort of growing pains if you're used to making, like, animated shorts, and now you're making right. movies. But that's a, I mean, that makes sense as a way to do it, of, like, here's story one, here's story two, here's story three, push them together, now it's a film. Right. But film structure-wise, Which could kinda... be why, in the next slew of movies that we're about to do, 
we see a lot of movies that are not supposed to be coherent. Like right. you get Fantasia, you get Melody Time, or right. Make yeah, when we get that big like, stretch, the Three Caballeros, where it's kind of like we have these these collections of shorts that we're going to put right. together. And, you know, those are going to be interesting episodes. We still don't know how we're going to cover some those yet. I, I, we haven't seen before at all. Like we, I've seen yeah. Fantasia once, but oh right. Well, Fantasia, Fantasia is its its own animal, I'd say, but. But similar, it's not like one linear story. No, it's like not. It's a yeah. collection of, mm-hmm. of shorts. Right. Anyway, uh, that was the matters. Yeah, so next category would be the meanie, the villain of the film. And there's not one, because of the structure, there's not one strong villainous presence, but rather like four small ones with Stromboli, Honest John, Dusty Rhodes, and Monstro. Like, they're all... And they cover like the various, uh, like, enemies that a you know, a lonely, optimistic child could find out in the wild. Yeah, I suppose you know, the as, a, as a rogues gallery, maybe they would. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think the general, just the general outside world, is meant to be the meaning of this film. Yeah, maybe. Which uh, it doesn't make it a bad film per se, but I find uh, like a strong villainous presence is one of the main ingredients when it comes to making a Disney classic. Like boom, Jafar, boom, Scar, like. You know, the, uh, Ursula, like big, strong, over-the-top characters is what I uh, you really associate with that. And I don't find, like, these minor villains substantial enough. Monstro's a good monster. Uh, you know, Honest John is a good, like, deceiver. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I gave it a two. And that was mostly Monstro's doing for being scary. I also gave it a two. Like, Honest John, I mean, he's clearly not a good guy. I wouldn't say no. he's necessarily evil. Um, no. He's a trickster. He's yeah, and he's greedy and he's he, he's a flim flam artist, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily evil. Right. Perhaps more so the, the big guy, uh whatever his name Stromboli. is. Stromboli. No, not Stromboli. Oh the, yeah. The, the child takes, predator. Yeah, the child predator. Obviously scary and more scary through today's eyes than it would have yeah, been definitely. than it would have been then. Uh, but still not a not a real like a real villain uh to go with here. So I, I gave it a two as well. Right. Uh music Next, or you want to do a different one? Music's good. Uh, I thought, I know you really enjoyed the, the music of, of Snow White, at least the, 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 the score of Snow mm-hmm. White. Uh, I thought, as far as the songs, this was a major upgrade over the Snow White songs. Like, yeah. you get the actor's life for me, which is really good. You get That's the catchy number. Upon a star, which I guess you shat all over earlier, but... Uh, I just find it boring. Okay. Uh, but then also, I've got No Strings on Me, and... Right. And so I think uh, I thought it was a major upgrade uh, music-wise, so I gave it a four out of five. Mm. I was still pretty harsh on it because uh, I found the score, like the score score was way more sparse than Snow White's was, so it, it doesn't get the points I gave it there. And uh, I enjoy Actor's Life for me, but I wouldn't say it's really memorable. And the only song from this film that gets like still remembered by the Disney like universe is When You Wish Upon a Star. So uh, none of the other ones really keep up with that, so I gave it a two. Moving on from there, we have the mise-en-scene, mm-hmm. which uh, I, think, I think a lot of the visuals in this movie are really good. The Pleasure Island is fantastic. Chappelle's Workshop is fantastic. They even, like you were saying earlier, the shots from inside the whale, uh, mm-hmm. well, the whale's mouth and stuff. So uh, I thought from that standpoint, it was really good. I gave it a four out uh, of five. Yeah, I went with four as well. Uh, I enjoyed the colorfulness of this world, uh, just from the characters like Honest John and Stromboli. Like they're good, they're caricatures of like real ideas and concepts and people. Um, plus, the donkey transformation is kind of traumatizing if you're a kid. Like, oh my god, everything's going wrong when it looked so right a second ago. Uh, and the whale chase is, you know, from a sound and visual standpoint, is still impressive. So, uh, and plus, Figaro was adorable. So, four points for that. Good. Mm-hmm. And that leaves us with magic, which is our message. As uh, well. message. That leaves us with message. <laughs> Two uh, categories left. Never mind. The next thing we're going to talk about is message. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the category we've added the most recently. Uh, we decided to add just before we began recording these podcasts. And we thought each of these movies and stories in general should have some sort of message uh, that the, that the yeah. audience should walk away with um, after, they have, uh, after they have watched the movie. And this one has a, has a really good message, as we've talked about along the way, the yeah. things you could share if you had a kid, like if you could, teachable moments uh, right. throughout the story. Uh, I didn't give it a five because I thought it was a little bit heavy-handed uh, in doing yeah, that definitely. with the uh, you know the alcohol and, and smoking turning you into a jackass. And the, right. 
if you don't go to school, then all these ter- terrible things happen to you. And also, being an actor is a bad thing. <laughs> being an actor is the worst thing you could do. Don't go play pool. <laughs> right. What is this, the music man? I guess so. So, uh, But I, I gave it a four out of five for mm-hmm. the message. I did as well. Uh, I think it was one of the few things the film does do really well. Uh, and I think it's one of the only thing it really set out to do from the beginning was... Let's teach. Let's teach kids about you know what the world's like and what how you need to approach these situations and what you need to be, uh, and yeah, teach them the difference between right and wrong and be truthful and selfless and all that jazz. And it works. It makes for a good cautionary tale. So yeah, four points. And then that leaves us with magic. Magic being the hardest uh, to define, but I right. think the most important. Uh, really, it's what makes it feel the most Disney and. I thought because of what we said about all the, the mise-en-scene earlier, about all the cool visuals, about the some of the jokes along the way, the mm-hmm. like, physical comedy, uh, with all that, I gave it four out of five for magic as well. Yeah, uh, I went with three, I guess. Uh, there's some magic, uh, especially, I mean, when you wish with us upon a star, uh, even if I don't particularly care for it, there's clearly some sort of magic since it's been like the official Disney song for 50 years, so... And uh, I think there's magic with the bond that's shown between Geppetto and Pinocchio. Like, you genuinely care for them and feel for them, and that's just because you've seen them, you know, the sacrifices they make for each other and all that. And Yeah, so I feel like it was strong, but I'm never going to be like, oh, man, you know what's a magical fucking film? Pinocchio. So, like, yeah, it's, it's just not not top-notch, so I, I went with three points. So as we begin to total this up, uh, just to recap, I went two and a half for Matters, two for Meanie, uh, four for Mise-en-Scene, four for Music, four for Message, four for Magic. All that adds up to 20 and a half out of 30. Mm. Uh, and so I gave it 20 and a half donkey ears uh, out of 30. That's another thing I forgot to do again. Uh, okay, uh, uh, recap in mind, I went with three for Matters, uh, two for Meanie, uh, two for music, uh, four for mise-en-scene, four for message, and three for magic, which uh, is a little lower than yours. It only adds up to 18 strombolis out of 30, So, uh, which this film did make me kind of hungry, so it's got that going for it. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking, uh, so far at least I'm noticing I'm a bit harsher on these than you with my grading. I'm mean, only two in, so that might, that might change. I uh, but yeah, I believe Snow White got a 20 for me, and this one was an 18, but... So, yeah, uh, which I feel good about that uh, that rating. It puts it slightly below Snow White, which is how I would... That seems fitting, because this is not not up to par, in my opinion. And I think a lot of Snow White's uh, problems or stuff, it just kind of... It's the first one you can forgive, and also so much time has passed, you can see where we've shifted as a society since then, so it's not so much marking it against... You know, things weren't really... Uh, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with Snow White in the 30s, Whereas if I, you know, saw Pinocchio when it first came out, I probably would have been like, eh, yeah, that was all right. But while, for whatever reason, the two of us are not impressed with this movie, uh, but as we said earlier on the Rotten Tomatoes... 100%. Everyone else is. Yeah, no one has a bad thing to say about it. Also the first uh, animated movie to win an Oscar uh, in a competitive category. Snow um, White didn't? Snow White did not. It got an honorary Oscar, but oh, didn't okay. win like in a... I don't know what... I, I didn't research what category it actually won in. Okay. But it won something. It won yeah. some sort of Oscar. Well, at least good on you, Pinocchio. To, to IMDb. Uh, another couple of uh, tidbits. Um, when Walt Disney accepted his honorary Oscar for Snow White, uh, it was a 25-minute acceptance speech because he started to tell the people about Pinocchio and how excited he was about making <laughs> Pinocchio. Yeah. And he just talked about all the things that were going to be in Pinocchio. He just told the whole plot Basically, of the film. It was like a 25-minute trailer of him just talking about how awesome it was. Yeah, interesting seeing that. Which I guess if you were the first, you know, you've made this feature-length uh, animated movie and everyone right. loved uh, Snow White, and now it's like, oh man, we got to right. wait, but it's going to be also, great. Like, yeah. A television not really a thing in the that also time frame, yeah. so it's not like the entire population would have seen the speech and known what was coming. And most of them would have been filmmakers and actors and things if like that. You, so would you say uh, you seem to feel a pretty strong connection to Geppetto? Uh, in a sense, when he quit being a weird, lonely, drunk dude at the beginning, <laughs> and and his his love for Pinocchio, the guy who voiced Geppetto is an asshole. He was a Nazi sympathizer uh, okay. that drove the other animators crazy. They they couldn't stand this guy. Um, they actually had him act out several of the, they, obviously this is long before motion capture, but they had him do a lot of the physical acting as well with the animators there to try to yeah. sketch a lot of it. Um, so he worked closely with them, but 
and remember, this is this was made or at least was finished in 1940. So you're making it right. at a time uh, yeah. during the time of Nazi Germany. <laughs> yeah. Unlike Snow White, this movie did not make as much money at the box office. Yeah, I heard it was a flop. But largely because of World War II breaking out in Europe, they couldn't really show it in some countries there because there yeah, too much going on. People weren't going <laughs> right. to the movies. There's no time for that. Right. Uh, what a dick. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, that was Pinocchio. Um, next on the list that comes after this is Fantasia. Uh, you don't seem particularly excited about it. Uh, I mean, I've just seen it the one time. She wasn't my favorite on American Idol, so I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I enjoy yeah. the, the classical music. I enjoy the, the imagination that, you know, went right. into it or whatever. But, yeah, when we watched... Fantasia in 2009 that was the first time I had ever seen it so while you were like yeah I was like this is kind of interesting and new to me and I've seen it a few times since then I will say it's an incredibly long Disney movie so yeah. that doesn't help matters it's like two hours two and a half hours long it, yeah also I rented it once as like a uh, <laughs> five or six year old kid like oh, it's a cool Disney movie like I'm gonna watch it right and it was like when do they start talking and like eventually like fast forwarded through it to like yeah. maybe they're talking now like the, i can't were. imagine i would have understood it yeah. as a I child feel like I someone should have like as i was trying to check it out someone should have been like hey look, it, <laughs> you're not probably not this. gonna like this yeah. right uh, but we'll talk more about that uh in that episode right so uh we'll see you again next time i guess thanks for joining us and uh i hope you sit down and enjoy fantasia with us my name is jake I'm Dustin. And thank you for listening to Dudes Watch Disney. We'll see you next time.